Hiring for your small business? If you're not looking for professionals on LinkedIn, you're looking in the wrong place. That's like looking for your car keys in a fish tank. LinkedIn helps you hire professionals you can't find anywhere else, even those who aren't actively searching for a new job but might be open to the perfect role. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't even visit other leading job sites. So start looking in the right place. With LinkedIn, you can hire professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash people today. From Decrypt Media, this is the Decrypt Daily, and my name is Matthew Diemer. Today on the show, we talk to Julian Sawyer, the CEO of Bitstamp, and we talk UK banking and crypto exchange regulations. That's today on the Decrypt Daily. Good morning, everybody. Welcome to the show. Today is Thursday, July 29th, 2021. Some real quick housekeeping. Yesterday, I had on Nathan Beckerman, and we were talking DeFi and uh, earning cash flow with DeFi. And he said something that I got uh, a couple emails on, and I checked it out myself. He said that there's no FDIC insurance on interest-bearing accounts. And from my research and a couple listeners that wrote in, that is incorrect. Uh, you are FDIC insured on interest-bearing accounts through banks. I will ask Nathan to clarify, but as of right now, it looks as though we had to just do some housekeeping and clarify that information. But that's enough housekeeping for me. Let's get into those crypto prices. Here comes the money. Here we go. Money talk. And I'm recording this at 11.22 Eastern Standard Time. Bitcoin is at $40,000 even, up a percent in 24. And by the way, if you didn't know, the hash rate has jumped 82.5% since the hash rate dropped when everything moved out of China. And I told you, hash rate goes up, price is going to go up. Mark my words. Actually, don't mark my words. <laughs> I could be wrong, but I think there's a relationship. Anyway, Ethereum's at the number two spot at $2,323, up 1.5%. Tether's in the number three spot. Binance Coin, number four at 314, up a half a percent. And Cardano's in the number five spot, down, and actually it's pretty much even from yesterday, at $1.30. Running off the top 10, we have XRP, USDC, Dogecoin, Polkadot, and BUSD. Total market cap were $1.55 trillion and a BTC dominance of 48.2%. Moving into our main conversation today, I'm talking to Julian Sawyer, the CEO of Bitstamp, and we're talking about UK banking regulations and how they affect crypto exchanges. Enjoy. Julian Sawyer, CEO of Bitstamp, welcome back to the show. Thank you. So there's a lot of things happening in the UK right now in terms of regulation. Uh, Binance is kind of on, I guess, shaky ground or there's a little bit of friction trying to figure out what's happening over there. Um, you know, banks are either pulling back or leaning into crypto. Uh, can you just tell us a little bit about what's happening over there? Yeah, sure. Um, within the UK and, and across the European Union, you have to apply for your VASP uh, license. The FCA in the UK has had 200 applications. And Sorry to very- cut you off there, but what is a VASP? A VASP is a virtual asset service provider, so it is part of the Fifth Money Laundering Directive, uh, which is essentially the FCA who doesn't regulate crypto is regulating the AML part of crypto. So they've had 200 applications. Interestingly, 180 applications have been withdrawn, including one from Binance in the UK. So what that is showing is that regulation is uh, is causing organizations to think about, do they want to operate within that uh, jurisdiction? What is the cost and what is the, um, the hassle effectively of going through your customers and making sure they've got AML and KYC? 
So what has happened is as we're going through the regulatory process, Binance and obviously 179 other companies have pulled out of that. What I think is really interesting here is that it shows with a global product and a 24-7 product like Bitcoin is the FCA and all the regulators have not always got all the teeth they require to uh, ensure that they are providing the protection for your, for your UK customers. So what do I mean by that? Thank you. You could go onto uh, a website that is not hosted in the UK and you could go and trade Bitcoin with an exchange. So just because the exchange is not regulated in the UK as a UK entity, it doesn't stop you as a customer in Europe, in, sorry, in the UK, actually trading overseas and whether that is from the Seychelles or um, at some other jurisdiction outside of the UK or European or the US. So that is really, really important that the FCA and uh, all of the other regulators have a certain amount of power, but that power is actually limited due to the, the products that is now in place with, 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 with Bitcoin. Um, so that has happened in the UK, and that happened a few weeks ago. What we've now seeing is that a number of uh, UK banks are now stopping on blocking payments into Binance. So people like Barclays Bank, Santander, et cetera, are now stopping that. The, the point that I think is, is interesting is if you look at the overall exchange market, exchanges like uh, Bitstamp, still have those payment rails so it is not the bank saying we don't like crypto it is the bank saying we don't like some actors but we do like the regulated exchanges the high performance the secure ones like like bitstamp binance applied for the vasp out of 200 licenses binance and uh, 179 other ones withdrew their applications for that vasp is that correct correct and that is for like a binance.uk but not binance.com is that also correct correct so if they can still trade on Binance.com, why do you need the Binance.uk? Is that because you want to do business with the banks there? So I don't know exactly their strategy as why they wanted to create an entity in the UK, but we've seen that in, in other countries where Binance have put a, a local entity in there. The, 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 the key uh, difference is we're now talking a global product and a global exchange, but is not allowed to operate within a country, but there's nothing that country can do to actually stop that. And that, I think, is the big difference when you look at difference compared to a number of other uh, financial services products that the FCA and others are regulating. That's interesting. So, okay, first question that comes out of there, uh, out of that one is, why would you not just continue with the VASP um, application? So the VASP is, you know, it is a complex process. It is a uh, hard process and you've got to have uh, all the processes and policies in KYC, AML that is required. So for us at Bitstamp, we've been doing that since the beginning. We're a regulated exchange in Luxembourg. So AML and compliance and KYC and everything else is part of our DNA. So we've done that. So if you've ever been a customer of Bitstamp, we will have your passport or your driving license, et cetera. If you've never done any of that because you have a very uh, different approach to compliance, you're going to have all your customers, thousands of customers, where you need to then start reaching out to them, getting them after they've started trading, after they've opened the account, and getting these AML and, and KYC. That is really, really expensive because there's no motivation for the consumer to actually go and do that because they've opened their account. We do it at Bitstamp as you open the account. So if you want to trade with us, you have to do this. And so a, an organization could be looking at you know hundreds of thousands of 
uh, reach outs they're going to have to do to, to customers to prompt them, to incentivize them to doing that. It's expensive. It is a burden on companies. We think it's the right burden to have, but it is a burden. And you can see why organizations are going, why don't I go, go and operate in jurisdictions that have a lower criteria or go and trade in other markets? I'm, I'm, I'm still not sure why. And I know you're not uh, you're not representing Binance or any of these other 179 applications. Uh, but here in the States, we have Binance.us. We have to use it because we can't use Binance.com. And so I'm, I'm wondering why they wouldn't go through with that, because uh, and because as you're saying, you can use Binance.com because it's a global product, but they also can turn it, turn it off for UK users or turn it off for uh, EU users as so as they did for the US users. I can't use Binance.com. Um, so why wouldn't they go through with that? And is there a risk of them turning off Binance.com to the EU and UK users? So the regulators in the US, UK, Europe, all slightly different rules, different um uh, control mechanisms that they have got. So, <clears throat> so what is important is that they would have different ways of controlling and managing the actors within within that um, uh, that market. And the US has has different different controls in in place. What I what is important though is that what we are seeing is a increase in number of customers. So since um, the FCA announced what they were doing with Binance. We've had more than double the number of customers coming in in the UK to us. We're seeing net inflow of Bitcoin coming in from Binance to us. So we are seeing consumers having a flight to safety and moving to exchanges uh, like Bitstamp, which is providing that, that level of assurance. That, I think, is important. But to go back to your original point of the question, each regulator and which local law has different controls about what they can do and can't do within the markets. First of all, congratulations on your increased market share. That was going to be my second question. Have you seen an influx of customers? And you just said yes. So that's amazing. Congratulations. Um, this might be a little conspiracy theory, kind of like a business hardball question. Uh, but are you guys pointing the regulators in the in the ways of these uh, exchanges say, hey, they don't have a vast, we're not operating like the, like we are operating and saying, take a look at them. Because what I am saying, I'm seeing is what's coming out is, yes, banks are distancing themselves with from uh, certain exchanges, but also partnering or even investing in, in some exchanges that are compliant within the UK or within the EU. So it's almost mm -hmm. like somebody said, hey, look at them, get them out of here. I'm doing the right thing. Come, come play with us. Yeah, I mean, I don't think we need to uh, be as uh, avert about that uh, in terms of pointing out other pe people's issues and errors. I think the FCA are doing that uh, well on their on their own. Um, we do talk to them a lot. We talk to all of the regulators about what does a good regulated market look like? How do we provide protection to consumers and institutions? Um, and by saying that, we hope will ident identify there are some very good actors in the market and there are some very bad actors. And what I think is really um, interesting right now is that the market is now segregating between those bad actors and the good actors rather than the, the whole industry is then tainted. So it creates some easy headlines in the national new newspapers, um, but actually the conversations are around those that are good those that have got the payment rails, those that have got the regulation, and we're seeing that through our customer numbers.
you're literally doing my job for me because that was my Very next well. question um is are all the headlines fud or am i I'm, because this is what i see when i'm doing the daily news is this bank is not working with this exchange. This bank has now cut ties with this exchange. I have uh, emails from listeners in the UK that says, hey, I'm, I'm mad because now I don't know where to go or uh, I'm not able to trade on this exchange. Now I have to go somewhere else. Uh, is this basically all FUD? Because yes, you're, they're, they're cutting down these or stopping these on and off ramps, but it looks as though they're still pretty bullish on crypto or at least bullish on free market or bullish on, on these uh, financial products. I think what we've got is we've got uh, journalists and presenters like yourselves and others that are understanding the market and are more informed about what is happening. And then I think we've got a whole bunch of other journalists that are more in the national press that are not experts in our area who will create two two headlines, either crypto is bad or Bitcoin and a negative story about Bitcoin. And it is very, um, I would kind of call it a bit lazy journalism it's an easy headline to get and it drives what the conversations that we like like to have is when we explain more about what does this mean and therefore actually it isn't all about the fud it is about informing customers and providing them with the right information to for them to make the decisions and that i think is important that we you i in the industry continue to educate people about this julian last question for you is you know sometimes you know you don't want to look a gift horse in the mouth. I think that's the, the saying, right? And yeah. and this this might be a gift horse. I don't even know what a gift horse is. I, I got to look this up. I don't even know if I'm saying it right because it's you so are, weird. You are. <laughs> but, but I mean, you, you, and you have to, you know, seize the day. I mean, what is Bitstamp doing to seize this um, extraordinary opportunity where, you know, these other comp- competitors are be- being uh, flushed out of the market to get that market share and create like, I guess, your little kingdom? Yeah, I mean, we're, we're, we're talking to our customers, we're talking to people in the market, we're doing more advertising and promotion, etc. I think we're trying to ensure that we get the right message over to people. And I think that is, uh, you know, a, a challenge in a crowded space, because everybody says, they're all very similar, we have the range of coins, we're all safe, etc. But actually, what we need to make sure is that they really understand what does a good exchange look like. Um, and it's, it's, it's financial services behavior that they probably haven't needed to do in the past, because a bank is a bank is a bank, it has a level of security, a credit card works very similar across all companies. And now what we're seeing is a whole category in financial services, which is different. And that's going that's going to evolve. And I think this is the beginning of a, a continued story about those that are the good actors and those that aren't and understanding what does it mean if you trade in one or the other, because there are some big implications for this. And as the listeners always know, I never asked the last question as the last question. This is actually the last question. Are, are you bullish coming into the end, end of the year? Of course. Of there course. You, there it's you go. Very good. Very, very simple answer there, Julian. And I am also going to find out what a gift horse actually is because I don't know either. But we'll we'll, we'll do that another time with you, Matthew. Awesome, awesome. Next episode with Julian Sawyer, the CEO of Bitstamp, is what is a gift horse? Thank you very much, sir, for coming on the show and explaining all the UK FUD or developments or regulation. And congrats on getting more, more of that market share. Thank you. I appreciate your time today. Thanks, Matthew. Moving into today's headlines. Actually, let me make this text bigger really quick so I can read it. There we go. (laughs) Probably didn't have to put that on the recording, but I did. Here you go. Welcome to my podcasting life. Compass Mining, which sells hardware and host mining service, has struck a deal with an asset custodian 
Kingdom Trust and its choice retirement accounts to take the sting out of crypto mining. Compass retail customers can now plug their Bitcoin mining gains directly into the choice account. The money goes directly into an IRA, a tax-deferred retirement account, instead of being counted as taxable income by the IRS. Shihan Chandrasekhar, who's been on the show a couple times, he is the head of tax strategy at CoinTracker, said this: "Minting rewards are taxed at the time of receipt using the market value of the coin when it was received. The second taxable event occurs when those coins are sold. If the coin has increased in price since it's being mined, they are subject to capital gains." So let me just define that real quick. If you are mining and you get, say, a Bitcoin from that mining, then that Bitcoin is counted as income. You get taxed on your income. If you hodl that Bitcoin, your basically your cost price of that Bitcoin is whatever you got the price at, and then any gains on that is taxed at capital gains. So let's just say you got Bitcoins at thirty thousand dollars. You get taxed at thirty thousand dollars income for that Bitcoin, or added to your income in whatever income bracket that puts you in. Plus that thirty thousand dollars. So if you make fifty thousand dollars plus that thirty thousand dollar Bitcoin, you made eighty thousand dollars. You're taxed accordingly. Now, if that thirty thousand dollar Bitcoin and you're hodling it and it goes up to forty thousand dollars, you're taxed on capital gains from that ten thousand dollars. If it's long term, obviously it's going to be around twenty percent or up to twenty percent. And if it's short term, it's just added to your income, which now went from eighty thousand to ninety thousand dollars. Basically, an IRA kicks the can down the road. There's no taxable event at the time of mining, and the person is only taxed when he or she withdraws the funds at retirement age. In other related U.S. tax news, the latest iteration of the bipartisan infrastructure plan in the United States Senate has been supplemented with a couple new provisions aimed at expanding crypto-related taxation and reporting requirements. As the document says that was published today, policymakers are looking to raise an additional. 28 billion dollars through crypto taxes, and I just want to have a little bit of a rant here for a second. Compass mining and the IRA, it sounds good, but is it really sustainable? And this crypto tax and these people going after crypto taxes, is this really ethical? Here's the thing: is nobody knows the regulations yet. So the Senate, the government, the、uh, Congress is coming out to say we're going to raise money with crypto taxes. We're going to do, but at the same time, they have yet to actually make a framework for these companies to、uh, do business or thrive, or even for the consumer to have confidence in investing in cryptocurrencies. It's like. You ha- come on one day and say, "Oh, it's dark money and it's illegal, and we should ban Bitcoin or you know the mining or it's dirty and it's all this fud." At the same time, it says, "Hey, well, we see you over there making money off this crypto, so we're going to tax it and we're going to file you and chase you for it, but we're not even going to make a regulation or take a stand on this industry and help this industry either grow or just clarify how this industry should operate within the United States." So we have things that we don't really know about when it comes to、uh, when it comes to lending protocols. Or interest-bearing accounts, or exchanges, or IRAs, but then we're coming after taxation, and I think that that's just kind of that's kind of crappy. It's kind of crappy. It's kind of, in my opinion, unethical because they're just leaving this wide-open gap for how this market should operate, but still they're going to come after your money, and I think that that's just kind of crappy. To be honest, per- personally, I think that's just crappy. And the other way that I'm looking at it is. Anytime the average consumer or the retail investor finds a way to make gains, if it was Wall Street bets and GameStop or AMC, if it's cryptocurrency, that's when you see the regulators shift their heads over to the average person or the average、uh, retail investor and say, "That's where we're going to get our money from." You know, there's billionaires, there's、uh, banks, there's、uh, 
you know, many different practices out there that aren't paying their fair share of taxes. Jeff Bezos being one of them. And I'm not attacking him just because he's a rich guy, but let's face it, he's the richest guy in the world and he didn't pay any taxes one year. <laughs> that's that's kind of kind of crazy. So instead of going hard in the paint when it comes to people who should be at least paying taxes, they're coming after the retail investors because they see that the retail investors are now making money and they're just coming they're, that's when they come and say, "Hey, we should make more capital gains because those people are making money. Hey, we need to go after the crypto people because those people are making money. And yet we still don't have the general framework of how we are supposed to operate. So everybody's just kind of balancing. They're, on, they're walking on eggshells when they're companies. They're walking on eggshells when it comes to tax reporting. They're walking on eggshells to how their custodial accounts are being um, managed when it comes to exchanges, when it comes to interest-bearing accounts. You know, there's ETFs that aren't getting pushed through yet because that's still in limbo. It's like, what are you doing? But you still have the gall to come after people's tax money on, a, on an industry that we're trying to push forward, yet you want to get paid for it, yet you don't want to help us figure out how to actually operate in it. I just see, I just feel it's so shady and so unethical, but that is just my two cents. Speaking of exchanges, Robinhood is making its stock market debut today, probably after lunchtime. They're going to start trading at $38 a share, and their ticker is Hood, H-O-O-D. The company has a valuation of $32 billion. Yowzers. And finally, Paxos just finished a Series D funding round for $300 million, which includes FTX, Coinbase, Founders Fund, and Bank of America. They're all now strategic investors in Paxos. Paxos is New York-based, low-profile, but increasingly important in the crypto industry. According to their website, they're a trusted way to add cryptocurrency to your platform. Partner with Paxos, you can offer features to your users with an easy-to-integrate turnkey solution. I don't know what that means, but it sounds like they're doing a good job. Maybe I'll get somebody from Paxos on to talk about Paxos. Thank you for listening to this episode of the Decrypt Daily. My name is Matthew Deemer. Don't forget to go to DeemerForCongress.com. That's D-I-E-M-E-R for Congress.com. Donate to the campaign. Look, if a thousand people donated a thousand dollars, this campaign would be in a very serious position to get to Washington to be blockchain advocates on the Hill. We need frameworks for these cryptocurrencies. We need frameworks for the, these innovations that are in the exciting industry. And we need congressmen in Washington to do so that are blockchain advocates. Look, we got to do this grassroots. And like I said, a thousand times a thousand would make a big difference. We just don't need me. We need lots of us. Anyway, I'll see you tomorrow for listener questions. Happy hodling, everyone.